I have been asked to respond to the following prompt. No one disagrees that Jesus and his earliest followers were Jewish. Yet they disagree how to apply this knowledge to our understanding of Scripture. In what ways have Christian interpretations of the Old Testament damaged or obscured our understandings of the early church or the origins of the church? On the surface, this appears to be a very easy question to answer. Everyone agrees that Jesus and his earliest followers were Jewish. This is a statement that seems so obvious that we all seem to take it for granted. And yet, we acknowledge that throughout Western artistic depictions of Jesus, which tend to depict him in the culture and ethnicity of the West, or in our own, perhaps, uh, traditional understandings of the New Testament story, we realize that we have had some disconnect two millennia after the events with the Jewishness of Jesus. And we can never emphasize enough our need to recover the Jewishness of Jesus. And yet, when we use this term, it's easy to clump in Jesus' Jewishness subconsciously with the practice of modern Judaism. And yet, religions develop over time, and Judaism of the first century is not necessarily exactly the same to Judaism in the 21st century, just as the practices of the early Jesus movement in the 30s AD will not necessarily resemble our Christian practices in the year 2022 when we were recording this. It is important to acknowledge that while everyone agrees that Jesus and his earliest followers were Jewish, there is disagreement among scholars and theologians about the different forms of Judaism that were being practiced during the time of Jesus. We are aware of, of course, four major sects, all of which had differing relationships to the temple that was the center of ancient Judaism. We have the Pharisees who had a popular understanding of the afterlife, of angels, apparently of resurrection of the body. We hear this in Flavius Josephus and Philo, and of course from other sources in, in later Judaism, such as the Mishnah and the Talmud. Uh, we have, of course, other sects such as the Sadducees, who supposedly denied the bodily resurrection um, and seem to have had uh, an ambiguous um, understanding of the afterlife, if at all. And of course, you have the Dead Sea Scroll community. Uh, we don't know if they were the Essenes, a fabled of in the writings of Josephus and Philo, but uh, they very well could have been. They certainly, according to their own texts discovered in 1947, 1948, uh, were in a hostile relationship to the temple and had a different calendar system. And of course, you have the Zealots who sought to overthrow Roman occupation of the Levant and wanted to establish Jewish identity and independence from Rome. So how does Jesus of Nazareth, within only these four large categories, and there probably were many, many more than just those four, um, how does he react and respond to Jewish religious beliefs and attitudes of the time? How does he react? How does the early Jesus movement respond to these movements? Paul, for example, identifies himself in his own epistles as a Pharisee. Uh, how does this Jewish background and identity influence Paul's understanding of his role as a figure in the early church? It says in the book of Acts that many priests 
joined the early church Jesus movement? Uh, were these of the Sadducees? Were they of the temple court system? Is this a backhanded reference to the Essenes uh, Dead Sea Scroll community? So these are all really good questions. And these are elements which scholars continue to debate. And they give greater shade or nuance to the Judaism or Judaisms of Jesus in the 30s AD. So just to get that out of the way, that everyone agrees that Jesus and his earliest followers were Jewish, yes. But in what sense and in what element of practice and religious uh, belief? The other element, uh, in what ways have Christian interpretations of the Old Testament damaged or obscured our understanding of the church and its origins? I find this question, once again, to be a little bit misleading because we all interpret Scripture as religious bodies, religious groups. Uh, we center our lives around an interpretation of the text. So just because we interpret a text doesn't mean that it must inherently be damaging or obscuring. And the church has positively preserved much of the literature associated with the Hebrew Bible. And obviously, as John Levinson has pointed out, in current scholarly circles, there is good ecumenical relations between Jewish, Protestant, Catholic, and um, other religious scholars in the field. However, historically, it is regrettably true that there were Christian interpretations of the Hebrew Bible or Old Testament, if you were, which were damaging. And this includes uh, movements such as a supersessionist reading of the role of the church, uh, seeing the church as replacing covenant promises made to the kingdom of Israel. Now, the church replaces Israel, and therefore the kingdom of God is fully realized um, in the church's uh, continuous role. That reading of the Old Testament has uh, added at times to anti-Semitic attitudes and beliefs and regrettably has led to violence, not just in the late medieval era, but even in the early modern era uh, into the 20th century as well. Now, it is also true, however, that great minds in the Christian world, such as the late Pope, St. John Paul II, and of course, heroes such as Dietrich Bonhoeffer and the Lutheran world have done extraordinary work to try to uh, diminish uh, that kind of negative attitude and approach. There is, of course, movements nowadays, such as the Messianic uh, movement within Judaism, uh, denominations that identify themselves as Torah observant, while uh, maintaining their belief in Jesus as Messiah, which are controversial within modern rabbinic Judaism. Sometimes uh, modern rabbinic uh, practitioners of Judaism will see these movements as aberrations of uh, normative Jewish practice. And it is true that these movements tend to present the early Jesus movement as just one new variety of Judaism, uh, with the exception that now Jesus clearly is uh, identified as God, the second person of the Trinity, uh, and of course the unique acknowledgement of the fulfillment of the prophecies in Jesus and in the movement. Um, I don't want to devote a whole podcast to Messianic Judaism. I want to in the future, but it can lead to a lot of questions. If Torah observance is still required for the churches, according to Messianic Judaism, what does Paul really mean by the relationship between grace and the law in Galatians? And 
what's really going on then in letters such as Romans in relationship, once again, to being justified by faith? So these are questions within the Christian body that happen when we reinterpret the early Jesus movement, and they require greater study. Now, I would just conclude that what would damage or obscure a relationship between us and the text would be to impose our voice on that text rather than allowing the text to speak for itself. This is what it means in scholarship to allow these texts to speak in their historical context. I believe it is very important to try to understand what Paul and Jesus are saying from their own space and time, and then, of course, to build our interpretive models from there. So there is a tendency in scholarly interpretations of the so-called historical Jesus to try to get to the historical critical basis of what makes Jesus unique. And I have to stand with Jacob Neusner, a good colleague of the former Pope Benedict XVI, in stating that it's very clear that Jesus placed himself in opposition or at times in antagonism towards the temple system, seeing in himself the fulfillment of the messianic prophecies and seeing himself in a unique, I would call it a divine relationship between himself and Yahweh. And that it was this particular element that placed the early church both within continuity and in unique relationship with the Judaisms at the time of Christ in the 30s. I would argue that this is very clear on the lips of Jesus in Mark chapter 14 before the Sanhedrin, where uh, loosely alluding to Daniel 7, he states, I am, and you shall see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power coming in the clouds of heaven. Um, this is clearly a reference to Jesus' claim to be the agent of the eschaton in Daniel 7, the Son of Man coming in the clouds, and that I am reference, ego, I, me, in Greek, could be an allusion to, of course, the voice of the burning bush. So it's these elements that cause us to see the origins of the church, as our question asks, um, within a Jewish lens and allow us to hear these things perhaps as the original audience might have. So I hope this answers some part of the question. I would like to elaborate more in the future if we have time. Uh, look forward to hearing your responses in the comment section, and God bless you all.